welcome to Cinemazing Chats. I'm Erica, and I'm here with Pablo. We are discussing Valentine's Day, the 2010 movie that stars all of Los Angeles. And I just want to start off by saying I have a rant about the title of this movie because you can't just call your movie the name of a holiday. Because when you Google Valentine's Day, you have to put in 2010 into Google or else obviously you just get Valentine's Day. And I'm like, this is the worst idea for marketing ever. The full title is Valentine's Day Disambiguation. Oh my god. <laughs> I wish it had a colon. So I feel like, oh yeah, I wish it had colons too. So usually I feel like we uh, discuss movies that are like noble failures. But this is definitely maybe one of the most cynical movies uh, I think we've done for this podcast. You can definitely tell that all the movies that were coming out during this time that were like this were all just like, somebody saw First Crash, and then they saw Love Actually do like the romantic comedy version of Crash, and then every film had to be like, let's come up with a bunch of convoluted ways that all these characters will dovetail together. I just want to say that actually I think Crash is the dramatic version of Love Actually, because Love Actually came out in 2003, or did Crash come out first? I'm not sure, I thought it started with Crash. Oh, Crash was 2004. <laughs> yeah, in drama, uh, like when you're writing a screenplay or a stage play, I think you just have to be conscious about how you try to do a dovetail thing, because either you do it really well and subtly, and the audience is like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that, or you do it so unskillfully and so, like, cloyingly that people are just like, that was contrived, like this movie. Yeah, just like this movie where they're like, it's not a... Uh, like, the connections between characters should be a payoff. Like, ooh, surprise. But instead it's just what like... What force connection? How many characters can we jam into a scene and create force connections? What, yeah, it really bothered me to the point where, like, I think Ashton Kutcher was going to... Uh, so he's friends with Jennifer Garner, but really they end up together. And he's, like, going to her classroom because she's a teacher. And somehow also there is a boy that, like, earlier had bought some flowers... We find at the end of the film it's to give to the teacher, but we don't know that at that point. So as far as we know, it's just that somehow Ashton Kutcher has encountered the same boy twice out of nowhere. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, if you really look at a lot of the um, setups for these kind of situational comedy scenes, that's what every scene is, is, kind of, is a sitcom basically. It's like, wait a second, that actually makes no sense why people would act this way. <laughs> Yeah, um, so then if you look at Gary Marshall, who directed it, he actually was part of, I guess you'd say, old Hollywood. Um, he wrote and directed for a bunch of the old sitcoms, like The Odd Couple, Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, uh, things like that. And I think he also uh, wrote for some of those late night shows, like the Jack Parr show. Um, so he's clearly somebody, oh, and Lucy, I love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke. So he's clearly somebody who has had his uh, finger in the thumb of, like, um... Uh, of sitcoms all throughout Hollywood history, uh, and that's probably why they picked him for these movies, just, like, very, uh, you know, inoffensive, light. Oh, well, I just want to say that's funny now, because I didn't know who, remember who Gary Marshall was. I mostly um, know as an actor, honestly, but apparently he also directed uh, uh, Runaway Bride and stuff like that. He wasn't related to the Laverne actress, Penny Marshall, was I think he? he was, actually. He was related to that. Oh, okay. I don't remember how, but... I just wanted to say that it's hilarious then that Ashton Kutcher is so bad in this because he was even in a sitcom show modeled after the, you know, sitcom shows like that 70s show, right? Right. And he's, but yet he's terrible in this film. He's not funny at all. Oh, Penny Marshall was the sister of Gary Marshall. They're both dead now. Sorry. <laughs> just want to bring it down. Yeah. There, there's your fact for this, your fun fact for this film. But yeah, you can definitely tell that, like, half the actors in this movie are just doing it for the paycheck, like, completely cynically and don't care at all and just are waiting to get their money, uh, like uh, Julie Roberts, for example. And then the other half, I yeah. think, are just happy for the exposure and to be, like, in a movie with all these other actors, even if they don't care. And then the other ones are just happy to be making out with, like, uh, Jessica Biel and uh, Jennifer Garner and Jessica Alba, the two Jessicas. Personally, I would have done it for Kathy Bates. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Kathy Bates takes off her robe and enters the hot tub. <laughs> but how many, type, how many like, of these types of movies were there? Because I think at some point it became as obnoxious as like all those parody films they were making for a second. Because it was like this, uh, Love Actually, Leap Day. Oh, there was a Leap Day. And then there was New Year's Eve, as we remembered. Um, 
I honestly am like surprised they didn't do more of these because we saw that Valentine's Day was profitable. We were like, oh, this couldn't have made money, but it did. And they also made those movies like uh, New York, I Love You, Paris to Jamais or whatever, where it was like episodic and each story was segmented off into a little short instead of like somehow they're all connected in some convoluted way. Yes. Well, yeah, this is like taking that and just reducing it to... I don't know, like a trope of that, because it's like love actually takes place around Christmas time, but th- that would be the equivalent of just calling love actually Christmas Day. Uh, like, right, which maybe they should And then have. just like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> just generic Christmas rom That's the bad thing. Like if people looked at love actually as the good version of this, like I don't even like love actually, because I think that's really cloying and annoying too. Yeah. I and mean, it has a bunch of good like British actors in it, but everyone's like kind of a douchebag in that movie too. Yeah, they and then they took, like, the worst parts of that and distilled it into, like, people in the U.S., I guess. I don't know. And then, and then like, Crash is probably the worst Best Picture winner uh, of all time. <laughs> I don't know of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just really bad, and somehow people thought it was good at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've already mentioned a bunch of the people who are in this, but it also has, like, Bradley Cooper, has uh, Mick Dreamy and Mick Steamy from Grey's Anatomy. No, I... We were wrong. I went through the entire movie thinking that both McDreamy and McSteamy were in this, but it's just a McSteamy look-alike. Oh. That guy was not actually him. Oh, weird. I really... Okay. Well, anyway, it has Patrick Dempsey <laughs> in it, uh, Jamie Foxx, uh, Topher Grace is in it with Anne Hathaway, and then Queen Latifah's in it for, like, a hot second. Taylor Lautner has, like, some convoluted high school subplot. Oh, yeah, Taylor Lautner and Taylor Swift are dating, so it's... The two Some Taylors. teen play as well. Teen viewer play? I don't know. Uh, Emma Roberts, George Lopez, Shirley MacLaine fucking slumming it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, she was there. And then, then if you wonder why they make these movies, uh, it was made for $52 million and made $216.5 million. So it quadrupled its budget. I'm honestly shocked because of how many famous people are in this movie. I thought it would cost more to make or something. That's true, but you can see how, uh, again, very cynically, they set this movie up, where it's like each individual actor doesn't really have that many scenes or that much to do. They're like in maybe Mm. three scenes apiece, and then you have like so many characters and so many storylines, and they're all stupid, uh, that uh, you just need to pay the actors for like per diem, like a day or two of shooting in like maybe two locations. Oh yeah, that's a good point because um, then you can bill, you can say like Julia Roberts gets like top billing, but she's only there for a couple scenes and then you can fluff it, fill the time with all these other actors that we were listing that aren't as famous. <laughs> or like Jessica Alba, who's barely, uh, barely uh, registers in this movie. She's in like two <laughs> scenes or something. She doesn't really have a plot. She just like basically breaks up yeah. with Ashton Kutcher for no reason and he's free to pursue jennifer garner and then she's like in some other scene checking into a hotel with her dog and that's it i honestly don't even know like how to tackle this movie because i mean we shouldn't talk about the story at all because it's just stupid yeah we can talk about like some individual plot lines yeah individual plot lines okay i i'm glad you brought up jessica alba because i thought that was hilarious that her wrap-up was just like she checked into a hotel with her dog and she like doesn't she even pet the dog and it's just weird that it's like like, i love dogs (laughs) yes it's all it's parallel with all these love stories and i'm like what is she doing with the dog (laughs) is this another jupiter ascending make that movie hollywood you cowards how come everyone Ashton Kutcher dates likes dogs? Mila Kunis and... <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> Let's see, I think Jennifer Garner's plotline pissed me off the most. It was like she was dating some guy and then Ashton Kutcher uh, clues her in that the guy she's dating has a family, some secret family somewhere oh, off. He's a rich guy and a rich surgeon. A doctor. And he always... Yeah, he uses the excuse of, like, oh, I have a surgery to go, like, fly off to his girlfriend or his wife, his... Yeah, so I guess Jennifer Garner's the girl on the side. But I realize she's, But she doesn't know it. Yeah, she's unaware, and she thinks, oh my god, I have a valentine on Valentine's Day. (laughs) Oh, I realize she's playing that character again, the 13 going on 30 or whatever rom-com she did. Well, yeah, a lot of these people, I think, have been previously in romantic comedies or sitcoms. Yeah, like Topher Grace and Anne Hathaway and all these people. 
It's just so convoluted. Like, there's so much shit going on in this movie, and none of it makes any sense. I think George Lopez seems to be, like, having the most fun and, like, actually trying. Uh, even though there's, like, a whole racist scene where he's, like, cursing in Spanish for no reason. But Oh, yeah. But there's, like, a plot line in high school with the Taylors that's, like, really stupid. Uh, and then Emma Roberts is, like, the brother of the boy who's in Jennifer Garner's class or some bullshit. They, okay, so can we talk about, yeah, the both immigration addressed in this film and um, aid, ages as well? There's, like, a really vicious racist throw line in this movie, and it's... It's so strange just because it feels like they're trying to pay homage to Los Angeles. Like, it's like Gary Marshall being like, oh, look at Los Angeles and all these people. Yeah, but then they're, like, having jokes at the expense of people with accents, like, all the time in the flower shop and elsewhere. Well, like, Ashton Kutcher has an employee who's some, uh, who's, like, Asian of some sorts. We don't know what. But there's, like, multiple scenes where first he's giving an interview and he's, like, speaking, like, broken English, like, thickly accented. And then there's another scene later in the movie that's the exact same thing. And I think there's a few mm-hmm. other characters with, like, ridiculous put-on accents that's just, like, it's racist is what it is. Like, there's no other way to talk about it. Yeah, and they fall into the trope of, you know, they have Ashton Kutcher in the forefront. And for some reason, like, his employee is just, like, obsessed with his love life. It's, like... Who cares about you? <laughs> Why right. are you in the main story? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good point. Um, and I was also going to say this would probably be an attractive thing for somebody to direct because you have to imagine that Gary Marshall's just like, oh, yeah, I know how to handle, uh, you know, fancy movie stars who they've liked obviously stacked this movie with uh, pretty much all like A or B listers. Uh, there's no like good character actors or anything. Uh, but yeah, for Gary Marshall, he's just like, okay, I just show up to shoot the scenes with the famous people. And then somebody else, like, fills in all the B-roll of, like, oh, here's some random Los Angeles, uh, Vista. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Because there was so much of that in this movie because they literally, they would jam-pack so many extras and, like, uncredited, I assume uncredited people into every scene, like, because all the characters have the backdrop of various places in Los Angeles that are, like, filled with crowds. And they'll have a couple that's just making out and, like, falling off a bench or, like, a random guy holding up the TSA line at the airport. And I'm like, why do I even remember this? Why do I remember this terrible moment? I don't need to fill my brain with this. Like, this is completely useless Right, this movie should not live rent-free in anyone's brain. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, it's just like, um, I don't know. Another one of my favorite plot lines is, uh, it's not Taylor Lautner's, but it's Taylor Lautner's friend who, like, breaks into his girlfriend, who's Emma Roberts' house, and then it's just, like, posing naked with the guitar, and the mom has to walk in right at that moment. <laughs> okay, that scene was ridiculous, but even the scene right before it, I remember, like, they his friend drives him to the his girlfriend's house and drops him off, like, all right, buddy, time to have sex. <laughs> yeah, fun to have sex. <laughs> and it's, like... Also, that person was just a third random extra character at the high school, and we were like, is that Taylor Lautner? No, that's just the other guy that was their friend that has no other speaking lines. Right, yeah, this movie is like a bad (laughs) drug trip, because you're just like bouncing along from person to person, and nothing makes sense, and you're just like, what the hell is going on? And all the dialogue is like insipid and inane, and like means nothing. Like, it's just them talking to talk, but they don't actually say anything. Of substance. That's true. Yeah, there were like some really just weird one-liners if you're just like listening into bits of the movie as a result of that. But um, yeah, the and then yeah, you're right. The scene with the um, naked high schooler with the mom, and then the mom's like falling all over the place, like it's supposed to be a situational comedy again. But it's just like, no, this is cringy. Well, imagine if that situation happened in real life. Like the boy would just like, uh, sorry, the mom would leave immediately, obviously, because she would probably yes. want to stare at an underage boy naked. Uh, right. The boy would like pick up his clothes and probably dress up somewhat, at least. But instead, in this movie, he has to like run out with a fucking guitar and like clutching his clothes, and he's like running around <laughs> naked for like a while, for like an extended amount. He's of time. literally running down the street until he randomly happens to find Emma Roberts driving down L- some L.A. His girlfriend, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh my god, this boy!" But it's like, why would? You- yeah, exactly. No one would act like this in real life. <laughs> The, the way the movie begins is also really creepy. It's, like, Jennifer Garner and her boyfriend, uh, and he has, like, this creepy uh, Valentine's Day wind-up thing that's just, like, one of those chattering teeth things, but with a heart instead. 
Let's see, and, and I was joking that uh, this has to be, like, Groundhog's Day, where, like, you have to love Valentine's Day or else Cupid spurns you and you, like, live through this horrible plot. <laughs> it is such a long and convoluted plot, it's like uh, waking up and repeating itself. Or, like, like Home Alone. Over over Home Alone, we have to, like, re- be really reverent to, like, Christmas and New Year's or else you, some misfortune befalls you. Yeah, I think that there basically is, like, uh, I think Cupid's, like, the Valentine's Day demon, actually, or enforcer. If you don't, if you don't, if you piss off the spirit of Valentine's Day. And then there actually was a guy that was, like, dressed as Cupid that was in a couple scenes in the background. Like, I don't know why he's going around Los Angeles being interviewed as Cupid, but... That's creepy. Make that movie, Hollywood, you cowards. (laughs) Just some random guy. Creepy, hairy, middle-aged man wandering around dressed as Cupid. (laughs) Okay, oh, I just remembered one part, one detail is like, so the main storyline is Ashton Kutcher and Jennifer Garner are supposed to be together, but they're with the wrong people. Yeah, that's supposed to be the quote unquote cutest plotline. Yeah, and I guess it's like, they're also trying to build history between these two while like cutting wildly between all these other bajillions of characters. So it's really hard to follow. But just horribly handled. Yeah, and it's just like, so I guess it's supposed to be like Ashton Kutcher has just cried wolf her entire life and said, don't date anyone or anyone she's dating. He's like, oh, that guy sucks or something. Right. And it's, I guess it's supposed to be because he's just jealous. It's like toxic codependency or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. And so they have this just like friendship where they like kiss each other really close to the lips. It's like... Well, it's also really creepy, like, uh, I know that, again, they presented all cutesy, but you have this guy who's full-on willing to propose to his girlfriend, uh, Jessica Alba, yeah. and then at the last second she, like, reneges, and then he's like, okay, I guess I'm immediately gonna make moves on this other lady, like, what? Like, if you put that in a drama film, it's really fucked up, it's, it's not cute, it's horrible. No, that's, it's like they have, like, um really unhealthy relationships in this actually and bad ideas of love despite being all about love right um and then i was gonna mention uh you mentioned kathy bates being one of the strongest people in this movie and i definitely agree because she's basically not playing it as if she's in a rom-com she's just using like any opportunity to be arch and she's in like two scenes fully uh but basically she's the boss of jamie fox and she's like go go out and shoot a good valentine's day story um, which is then the convoluted way that he meets Jessica Beale, And I'm like, I'm not mad about that. I'll, I'll look at Jessica Beale. I don't care. <laughs> wait. No. Oh, wait. Okay, because Jessica Beale. I'm sorry. I thought Jessica Beale was, like, Jamie Foxx's agent. But no, she's the McSteamy lookalikes uh, football guy agent, I think. Right. And Jamie Foxx is, like, a sports reporter or something. Yeah. So that's their connection. It's like, oh, I don't even remember how they met. Yeah, something, somehow everything in this movie revolves around really convoluted things, like a big football star who turns out to be gay with Bradley Cooper. Uh, that's, like, the big twist at the end. Or like oh, that's this, right. Or this, like, fucking The Room-esque flower shop where everyone, like, ends up somehow. The Ashton Kutcher runs. I'm pretty sure that Ashton Kutcher should have done, like, a, a room scene with the flower petals all over the bed and Jessica Alba. And like you were saying, I think Ashton Kutcher actually really hated being in this movie. He's definitely not giving, like, anything. Uh, He's, like, smiling and doing all that, but it's, like, really fake, and you can see in his eyes that he's, like, hating being there. Uh, And I don't think he has that great chemistry with Jennifer Garner. Isn't there, like, an age gap, and maybe that's why they hired him? (laughs) Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, so I I think we mentioned this to each other while we were watching, but it seemed like Ashton Kutcher had better friendship chemistry with George Lopez um oh yeah and like maybe they should have just done a dude's where dude where's my car in the florist van yeah no i would have much preferred watching the george lopez ashton kutcher like buddy comedy (laughs) yeah as opposed to any of this oh but yeah and you mentioned the age thing which reminded me um i did want yeah i wanted to mention how they had like every age demographic so i guess their their audience is everyone and their film includes literally everyone it's like a child a young child High school, yeah. multiple high school age Elementary people. school, high school, old couple. Yeah, uh, an McLean. older couple. Which, and now that you mentioned Gary Marshall, that storyline makes a lot of sense with Shirley MacLaine because she's an old Hollywood actress. Right. Like, she was in a black and white movie. And so it's meta or whatever. Yeah, everything's very L.A., like, wink, wink. Yes. And that's why I think they have Jamie Foxx going around interviewing people so they can have the ca- the camera to be and meta. Fourth wall breaking. <laughs> Exactly. It's an homage to Hollywood. 
<laughs> uh, this was like La La Land. <laughs> Just as sophisticated of a film. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think La La Land's a much better movie, but yeah. Uh, I was just joking. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> Valentine's Day is just as good, just as much of an homage. Um, anyways. Wait, um, were, were the Taylor's big plot line that they decide not to have sex? Like, uh, they keep talking about no. it? No! Okay, no, no, no. They were never going to have sex, but I think their big plot line was that they kissed? I think she kissed him on camera. She's like, I decided to kiss him or something. Well, like they were that. just, like, trying to decide how physical to be, essentially, and that was the entire plot line. Mm-hmm. And they were both, like very vapid as well um i don't know if taylor lautner can actually act and taylor swift definitely can't act yeah it made me realize i was like well you know what at least like taylor lautner like he can act enough that he didn't look as bad as taylor swift like honestly like because she had an elevator scene with jennifer garner and she had a multiple she had more scenes than some some people like um she had a like a scene where she just got to like run around a football field and do weird dances and she was just supposed to be like goofing off the entire time like i i think she was playing more of like a 10 year old or something than a 16 or 17 year old right it was really weird and it's kind of embarrassing it was very embarrassing to watch. It was awkward to be in the same room as this movie while Taylor Swift was on the screen. Oh, and I forgot. So it's the football thing, and that's how, like, uh, Jessica Biel and Queen Latifah and the uh, football player are all related. But oh my god, I forgot about Queen Latifah! Yeah, but then it's also, like, uh, Jessica Biel's characters organizing an I Hate Valentine's Day party, and that's where a bunch of the other characters, like, coalesce at the end. Okay, that's right. Yeah, so there is a party, and Jessica Biel knows a lot of people. She knows Jennifer Garner. I couldn't tell if they were sisters or friends. But then, like, over the... I think they were sisters. But then over the plot of the movie, everyone's, like, Valentine's Day goes horribly wrong or some bullshit. Like, that's the idea, I guess. (laughs) Like, oh, no, I thought I was dating this great guy, but it turns out he's married or, like, uh... I don't know, whatever the other ones were. (laughs) Everyone's horrible breakup happens on the same day. And I think we should talk about the Anne Hathaway and Topher Grace plotline, because that one was definitely, like, super insulting and stupid. Oh, wait, Annie Hathaway. Right, Annie Hathaway. <laughs> You've all been saying my name wrong, she says. Fuck. Uh, so it's like they're dating, and we find out that Anne Hathaway is actually a phone sex operator, uh, and Topher Grace finds this out while he's, like, essentially being Chandler being in his office, like, having a really boring, stupid life. Uh, so I don't know who he is to judge. But anyway, he's, like, super slut-shaming and, like, uncool with her being a phone sex operator. And it's like, dude, it's Annie Hathaway. Like, you should just be thanking your lucky stars that she would be going out with fucking Topher Grace. Let alone I kept thinking that, too. <laughs> like, she, she, he should be thrilled that she's, like, sexually adventurous or whatever. Yeah, and I was, like, honestly, like, um... She, well, it was horrible. She had 100k in student debt or something like that. And he was like, oh, I don't know if I can date you. And I'm like, honestly, just be glad. I guess she doesn't have to put herself in, like, physical danger to, like, do this job. But yeah, she had to... So she was working for, like, Queen... Temping or something for Queen Latifah. And then she was also doing the phone sex simultaneously. Because she was... Needs to pay off her debt. Come on, Topher. Yeah, so I didn't like that storyline. Plus, it's way too many shots of Topher Grace being shirtless. And I'm just like, no thanks. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I was, like, not into this as eye candy. <laughs> Sorry, I do like Topher Grace in other things, but not in this movie. Yeah. It's better when he leans into, like, the creepiness. Oh, and the scene with Anne Hathaway and Topher Grace, there's, like, a bunch of creepy masks behind them, so I don't know what that was about. On the wall? Yeah, behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, also, this is reminding me of... There were a lot of sports in this movie. I don't I don't watch my rom-coms to see sports. But yeah, like the high schoolers are playing sports and then there's a sports agent and a whole football storyline with yeah, as mixed Yeah, that I didn't care about at all. <laughs> right. And also that dated it a lot too because it was like it's only 2010 but like already the way they handled um the guy coming out to play football. It was like he had to he thought he had to decide between playing football and coming out of the closet but he's like i'm gonna do both yeah we were mentioning the audience for this movie and i really think it's i mean obviously they're always targeting like women who love rom-coms but uh women who love rom-coms i'm not saying all women love rom-coms but uh also probably just like the older crowd who like just needs a matinee to sit through essentially like (laughs) the olds 
And that's kind of like where the Topher Grace plotline ends up, because he ends up meeting uh, the old man who's with Shirley MacLaine and seeing their oh love play out. Uh, I think was was in that plotline like he was mad at her because she had been having an affair or something like. Oh, that's no, she yeah, it, way in the past when he was like at out to war or something like that. So convoluted. <laughs> she had a short affair and then she kept it from him all these years, but it came out when a child when their child their grandkid the young kid was asking them about their sex lives or something i don't know that was a weird scene it's another stupid thing but it ends up with them like kissing in front of the movie screen which is nice i guess right i'm sorry i'm sorry it was not the young child it was emma roberts the teenager talking openly about her sex life with them (laughs) (laughs) um and yeah so they kiss in front of her in 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 a black and white movie and it's like ooh, meta (laughs) yeah but yeah, Topher Grace needs to see... But I thought it was a little weird that it has to just be like, oh, it's the man's job to just forgive these, like, sexually promiscuous women or something. <laughs> I don't know. Right, and then Emma Roberts is also trying to lose her virginity uh, as well as, like, the Taylors, which is why they had the whole naked uh, guitar playing scene. <laughs> right. Oh, wait, I did want to say that was a good one-liner with the McSteamy lookalike. He said, I'm gay and I'm gonna play. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, that, that was a good line. <laughs> it's like every one of these scenes is just like the in-between scenes in a porno. <laughs> like, before you get to, like, the action, it's just like those this, this awkward little <laughs> acting bits. Oh, it's because they open so many of the scenes with people in bed. Yeah. And so it just feels like, oh, they just had their um, sex scene, and then this is the, like, or they're about to, and then this is the, like, cheesy dialogue in between, because it's so poorly written. So, of these plot lines, I feel like you could probably drop the Julia Roberts and Bradley Cooper one without losing anything, other than supposed social commentary. Yeah, what was that one about? It was, like, Julia Roberts... Well, like, first, she's just sleeping on the plane, and then, like, you realize that she's in the army... And then they're talking mm-hmm. about, like, going back to visit their loved ones because she's going to, like, visit her son or something, like, a uh, surprise visit. But it's a bunch of, like, uh, I don't know, physical comedy, supposedly, with him, like, closing the window with his foot and I'm just, like, playing games and shit. Oh, and her, like, falling asleep on him. Right. Okay, so I guess I think I see now what they were trying to do a fake out or whatever. They were trying to make us think they're having a romance. Like a fake me cute. Mm-hmm. But then, actually, Bradley Cooper and her are not interested in each other. They're just really good friends after that flight now. Right, and you could definitely tell that, like, uh, obviously they targeted Julie Roberts because she's probably the biggest name in this movie overall, like of Hollywood. But she's probably like, put me in the sequence where I have the least to do and I can just, like, shoot on a plane set and then in an airport and then be done. Oh, yeah, that's she, true. Again, she, like, ba- barely registers uh aside from they probably paid her a couple million to do like her uh iconic laugh or like smile or whatever at some point (laughs) to have five seconds of her smile on screen total all right all right julie give me that hundred watt smile all right here's five million dollars something like that (laughs) here's a bag Uh, of five million dollars yeah it's like transactional it's like okay i venmoed you now all right you can leave (laughs) and that sounds good but (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i loved uh some of these one line some of these lines um emma roberts just drops like he's going to stanford and i'm going to yale <laughs> <laughs> and then this um, movie's so in touch with what the common people like i know and then who who said who read ee e. cummings but someone was like yeah ee e. good stuff <laughs> Oh, and George Lopez was reading Rumi. Oh, that was funny. To, like, spout off wisdom to Ashton Kutcher. Oh, and then can we also mention how George Lopez, it was strange how he was, like, he was outside of the drama the whole time. He was basically just there to, like, advise Ashton Kutcher, protagonist guy who can't keep his life together. But then he's just like, okay, I'm going home to my beautiful wife, who apparently was no one else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who doesn't have any speaking lines. Yeah, it was awful. I was like, she should have... I thought I was expecting her to be someone tied into someone we had seen before. So it's like very much lip service to minorities because we have Taylor Lautner and George Lopez, but George Lopez is barely a character. Mm-hmm. Literally won't pay the actress who plays his wife to, like, 
be in the movie aside from just like physically being in the movie and i thought like i thought um yeah just some of the other characters as we mentioned yeah the people in the florist shop like were relegated to like more supporting roles and just there to support the white characters as we already said and i forgot but like doesn't Topher grace for some reason think that valentine's day only happens on thursdays Oh my god, that was a plot. He was like, wait, today's Valentine's Day? And I was like, how does he, how is he a functioning adult, uh, human right now? <laughs> Again, just like literally playing Chandler Bing from Friends, just like that exact characterization. Oh my god, it was. It was like, can you imagine? It was like Chandler Bing talking to people at work. That was his whole thing. <laughs> and then I guess the supposed funny thing with the football players, he like keeps flirting with people. Like outside his mansion, there's like some yoga women like flirting at him, being like, oh. But then he turns out to be oh, gay. Oh, right. Yeah, he keeps up his womanizer persona. But yeah, so much about this movie is just, like, surface, trying to, like, tickle your lizard part of your brain. Be like, oh, look, this fancy representation of L.A. And just made me think about, like, how Gary Marshall, throughout his career, has been, like, working to present U.S. life a certain way. Like, very surface, very, like, nice. Uh, and probably just, mm. like, indoctrinating people into thinking about how nice everything is. It did. It is really a fake. Yeah, it's like a really superficial interpretation of like romance and relationships. Um, oh my god! But can we also? There was another meta layer because in the beginning and in the end, there's a radio announcer and he's like talking over and he's like, "Hello, Los Angelinos. Like it's Valentine's Day." <laughs> and so also we're on the radio. <laughs> oh yeah. And then at the end, it says something weird. It ends with, let he says, let's get naked. Oh, right. They're stupid. Yeah, and I was expecting the radio announcer to be tied into someone. Like, maybe it's revealed who that character is in the course of the movie. But no, it's, I, I looked it up. It's just some random person. They should have just made old people effing. <laughs> they should have done oh, Shirley MacLaine and that other guy. Fucking, that would be hot. Oh, can we talk about how annoying the boy actor was that Jennifer Garner was teaching? He's just, like, a very cloying child actor. (laughs) Yes, that plot line. Yeah, it's really creepy that this kid is, like, hitting so hard on the teacher. and Or it's not creepy because the kid doesn't know any better. But it's just weird that he's, like, fixated on this teacher in such a way that he actually thinks he's going to date her. (laughs) Let's see, Patrick Dempsey is offended that Ashton Kutcher would break the bro code. He's like, don't tell uh, Jennifer Garner about this. Oh, also, there's supposed to be a florist code. That's what he was talking about. Oh, yeah, about. I'm Sorry. getting flowers for my wife or whatever. And also and my girlfriend. Lady. And he's like, just like I have the Hippocratic Oath, you have to take the florist oath or you can't tell anyone. He just happens to be like Ashton Kutcher's like good friend, uh, not just some random person. Yeah, why would he go to that florist? There's like a bajillion places. Um, you know he would just order online. <laughs> Oh, there were some other funny one-liners, like, um... Oh, Ashton Kutcher, when he, after proposing to Jessica Alba, he said, Call me Mr. Engaged. <laughs> like, that's the level of, like, humor yeah. that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as much as Ashton Kutcher hated being in this movie, I think I also hated watching him in this movie equally. Mm-hmm. It was awkward. He was almost as silly as Taylor Swift. And he goes to, like, interrupt Jennifer Garner's class to tell her about what he's discovered. It's like... Uh, like, I've taught, you can't just, like, interrupt mid-class and be like, all right, kids, just you teach each other. Are you kidding me? You're gonna come back and there's gonna be, like, crap all over the walls. Why, yeah, why did they set it up? I guess they just wanted the child to overlap in the scene. But it's like, just have, just show up. You would just drop off the flowers there, or maybe call her up at her lunch hour or something like that. I don't know. Oh, I was thinking of another movie that did this kind of concept better, uh, like Crazy Stupid Love, the movie with, uh, again, Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, and uh, Emma Stone. Mm. And the way that movie did it well was, like, basically Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling are uh, relating to each other because he's teaching him how to pick up women. Gosling is trying to teach Carell <laughs> to pick up women. And then separately, he has a romance with Emma Stone. But then at the end of the movie, you find out that Steve Carell is actually the father of Emma Stone, and they have this whole, like, awkward thing happen. But that's actually really cleverly done, because at least when I saw that movie, I didn't suspect that at all. Like, I didn't see that twist coming. Uh, whereas in this movie, like, everything's very stupid, and the twists make no sense, and it's just, like, incredibly forced. <laughs> yes. Really shoehorning in all of the relationships. It also makes me feel shitty, because, uh, do you remember that movie Slacker from the 90s? 
Like, that movie was almost this initial originating concept in a way. Because that whole movie was like, you start with this protagonist, then that person goes about their story, and then they meet somebody else, and the camera keeps following this other person, and so on and so on. Oh, kind of like a Game of Thrones. Like that I was... thought that was how the book went. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they switch perspectives, exactly. But, like, that was actually, a, like, a good indie film way of doing it, where, like, you're just following various people's lives, and they're not, like, somehow all connected for some bullshit reason. <laughs> oh my god. What if this had, this is, like, trying to be the Cloud Atlas of rom-coms? But, but again, Cloud Atlas terrible. is actually well done. This is not well done. Yeah, this is like, yeah, they just wrote up a bunch of vignettes and then they're like, okay, we can make these two characters related to each other. <laughs> they just like map it out. Yeah, you just like write half a page of story for each character and then you come up with enough characters that you can like fill it up and then like just send out your agent to be like, how many people can we get in this piece of crap? <laughs> oh, uh, before Jennifer Garner goes to like confront Patrick Dempsey, she like goes to his hospital to like ask everybody like, uh, so is he working here? What's going on? And he, she initially asks this, like, young nurse, and then the young nurse turns around and, like, it's the okay from, like, the older, more experienced nurse. And the older, experienced nurse gives, like, a wise nod to be like, go ahead, spill the tea. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh my god, that was hilarious, too, because, yeah, you would, a stalker comes to your place of work, you would never give out your co-workers information. <laughs> but right. it's just, like, the woman code, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's all very unprofessional. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, rem- did we talk about the um, the pig testicle scene with the Patrick Dempsey? <laughs> that was weird. Oh, It was yeah. like, Jennifer Garner teaches the child of someone who works at the restaurant where Patrick Dempsey is going to take his wife right. to dinner. And so she bribes the maitre d' or something to get in and pretend to be a waitress and then threaten... Patrick Dempsey about, oh, I'm going to chop up the pig testicles or something. And then she's like, now that's open heart surgery. Yeah. So somehow after learning the truth from Ashton Kutcher, Jennifer Garner takes like the least mature way of handling it and somehow has a friend uh, in this other city where she can just like slip in and be like, I'm the waiter now. (laughs) And just like do this convoluted, passive aggressive, like, fuck you, Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. It's supposed to be like, haha, she got him. Um... But, oh my god, I just realized, like, another movie, the climactic, like, airport scene where Ashton Kutcher's, like, (laughs) confessing his love or something, that would have been, like, the finale, but this was just, like, still so much, like, Jennifer Garner's gotta dump her guy, and then she's gotta get with Ashton, there's a lot (laughs) that they, a lot of tropes they crammed in. That scene's so ridiculous, because, I mean, this is well after 9-11, and he's, like, somehow... So he's taking off his shoes, he leaves all this crap at the TSA, and he just, like, runs through, and it's like, okay, so immediately a bunch of guards would start tasing him, if not shooting him, basically. <laughs> but he's, like, white, or, like, it's a movie, so he's fine. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, so that was really stupid. Yeah, we were, like, in so many instances, I do not think people would have been allowed to do all the things they did in this movie. And they have this great character actor, like, this comedian, just be in it for, like, two seconds to play, like, the rude ticket-taker guy. Oh, yeah, he was in a bunch of stuff, too. He was in 10 Things I Hate About You as the uh, father. Mm-hmm. He's in Seinfeld. He's in a bunch of yeah, things. Yeah, another, another famous person they threw in there for one scene. The actor we were just talking about, his name is Larry Miller. He's okay. way too good to be in this movie. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's true. Uh, oh, wait, also, didn't George Lopez actually inspire the McDreamy lookalike to come out of the closet? Because... He get uh, McDreamy look like hits George Lopez with the van, and then George Lopez is just always like spouting off wisdom. Oh, yeah, because of Rumi. Because of Rumi, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mind the Rumi because I do like Rumi, but it's very stupid and no, it's, it's just that his whole role was to advise these white people with problems, and then um, basically he's got his life all figured out, and they get like no speaking lines of family. Oh yeah, and I forgot, but the boy also has a romantic plotline because uh, he has this, like, soccer team, and there's this girl who's in his soccer team and his class uh, of seemingly, like, Indian descent, but again, kind of unclear. Uh, And then that becomes hilarious at the end because there's, like, a wedding going on alongside the I Hate Valentine's Day party that's just good deal put together. So you get, like, more hilarious ethnic humor of, like, oh, look how weird their customs are. It's like, fuck you, movie. Okay, 
yeah, there's a lot to unpack there because it's like, first of all, wait, I didn't even realize, I forgot that the kid, the young kid also played sports. There's so much fucking sports. Right. And that's, that must be for like the boyfriend of uh, the person who went to go see this movie or whatever. Like, here's some sports oh to you, or I don't know. You're right. <laughs> that's so true. Um, and yeah, and then also that is a complete copy of Love Actually because the kid in Love Actually has a crush on this girl the whole time. Um, and then basically, though, it's really awkward. It's like the, yeah, Jessica Beale's I Hate Valentine's Day parties at this at the restaurant where the girl's parent that the girl's parents own and then jessica or sorry jennifer, jennifer garner. garner has to convince the child like no no you, you don't, don't want to be like with, be with me <laughs> yeah you go look go give your flowers to that cute girl over there. right who well, again i don't, I don't even and remember if she had speaking lines maybe just like random things but very few i think she had a yeah a couple words i mean in that case um, i think it was intentional like uh backgrounding her so they don't realize the boy uh has a crush on her secretly but i also right. think it might have to do with the race racial bullshit that's going on yeah and then like you said it was like really weird how they were trying to get humor out of juxtaposing they were juxtaposing people like drinking and like telling valentine's day stories or something that were like sad stories you know and then juxtaposing that with like songs like um presumably from india <laughs> music that's playing uh or no wait are they singing in the it's wedding supposed, party yeah, it's too? supposed to be like a wedding so they're all just like randomly celebrating things right but i think like you said it's supposed to be some sort of humor coming from like the juxtaposition of english with a non-english language and it's like Offensive. actually that was kind of like a nice scene people partying together is not funny at all right it's yeah like, no i mean that looks nice much better than the i hate valentine's day party right <laughs> so you mentioned that the taylors were on a track team so i just remember the scene that taylor swift just starts randomly doing this horrible dance and i can't tell if mm -hmm. it's supposed to be a good dance like it's supposed to be like a taylor swift type dance or it's supposed to be intentionally bad no i think she's supposed to be silly and somewhat delusional and being like oh i can dance but i think she's almost supposed to be like a taylor swift fan or something like an awkward girl oh we had been mentioning this while we were watching it that we thought was she supposed to be like having mental problems but they didn't really like address it at all she's supposed to be like a manic no a I... manic pixie dream girl or whatever exactly that was just how she was playing manic pixie dream girl she was not actually having a crisis <laughs> oh and also there was some weird shoehorned in 13 number 13 motif right right like the football player had 13 on the back of his jersey yeah tail and then also oh his number was 13 and also channel 13 is where jamie fox worked and also taylor swift had 13 written on her hand but i think that is actually a taylor swift reference because taylor swift does something with 13 or i don't know she likes 13 i was so confused about the 13 i was like did taylor swift insist on it being in this movie <laughs> What does Taylor Swift have to do with 13? If you Google Taylor Swift 13, it's on her fandom. It's like Taylor Swift considers 13 to be her lucky number. She references it multiple times. In the movie, they actually say, uh, isn't 13 your lucky number? Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's why I think she's almost like playing a Taylor Swift fan. Hmm. Like a, f yeah. Well, that's annoying. Oh, oh, and then like there's two, I think, Taylor Swift songs in the soundtrack and I think probably more in the credits. <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely a Taylor Swift vehicle for sure. Everyone's jacking off Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh my god. Ugh. Yeah, the music in this movie was like trying to make you feel good. And I was like, no, I'm not feeling good. No. Uh, <laughs> I think this is like if you've had a, just the right mix of uppers and downers. Or maybe you're like on your medication and just like fading out slowly. And you're like, oh, this isn't this pleasant. <laughs> uh, and Hathaway gets to do like a bunch of hilarious characters uh every time she's like on her mm. phone sex line uh, i think one time she's like talking like a cat like meow, 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 or whatever <laughs> <laughs> um yeah she did like su a southern bell i don't know but then again with the accents what is up with the accents of this movie um oh and queen latifah randomly like i didn't oh, really yeah. like how to use queen latifah but she was funny in it she i guess she did what she could with the line she had but um yeah i guess anne hathaway must work at the exact same company with jessica biel and queen latifah or something it's like she's temping as the secretary or something. So she, like, happens to leave her phone sex line on, and then Queen Latifah discovers it. Instead of being all pissed off and firing her, she's like, oh, now I'm into this. I'm gonna take a call. <laughs> so that's her whole and then plot they're, line. <laughs> <laughs> and 
they're always doing the like rubber snapping a rubber band near the phone to sound like a riding crop or something. That was kind of funny. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Oh my gosh, it's so cheesy though. But at least she gets an ending. Like I don't even know what happened with uh, Kathy Bates. This is like nothing. Oh my god, that's true. What was even her job? She was just like a pers- a producer on the news channel 13. I mean, if I had to imagine it, Kathy Bates is probably just happy because they have this like big breaking headline about uh, the football star coming out. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Kathy Bates was there to facilitate Jessica Beale kissing Jamie Foxx in the newsroom. She was like advising them. <laughs> Make that movie. Remake Nymphomaniac <laughs> with Jamie Foxx and Jessica Beale. Also, uh, with the kid, with the kid getting with the the girl classmate, he says um, she's the only other fifth grader who has Frank Zappa on her iPod. I thought that was a really weird throw-in reference. What the? I, I don't remember if we mentioned this before, but uh, then after this, they made New Year's Day, which also made like uh, three times its budget, like a hundred forty. Wait, million. is New Year's is a New Year's day different than new year's eve the one gary marshall directed is new year's eve and then after that they made fucking mother's day oh my god <laughs> they made mother's day oh my god which also so stars julia roberts oh my god fuck no. this shit sorry <laughs> julia roberts plays the same mom as she was in this movie it's just a fucking cynical that's that's the thing i have with it like if somebody really legitimately has like inspiration is like oh i have this idea for this plot that involves all these people and just happens to be all romantic it's like, sure, okay, write that movie. But if they're just like, we just have to pick a day and then come up with some stupid plot and pay a bunch of actors a bunch of money to be in it to trick people and think it's a movie. And it's just like a bunch of sitcom skits. It is very, like, uh, epitome of the soulless Hollywood film. It's like the opposite of art. Like, why make this movie? Why even waste the celluloid, I guess, to make $200 million? But fuck that. Yeah, oh my god. I'd rather make no money and have, like, art than... That's true. Yeah, talk about the simulacrum really just, like... Digest, trying to digest our culture and feed it back to us in a crappy way. Or make it a TV show or a sitcom or something. Like, I think they've done that a few times, too. Uh, I forget the names of the shows, but, like, on HBO and probably Netflix, they've made, like, a few shows where it's kind of the same thing. People being, hmm. like, interconnected and having a little, like, romantic skits. Well, like you said, it could be called old people fucking. But, yeah, since it's all, it could just be all ages fucking tales on HBO. <laughs> exactly. Make that movie. <laughs> Yeah, they just had something of uh, Tina Fey, uh, Modern Love, on Prime. Modern Love, okay. But that one, as the least, was based on, like, real stories that were published in the New York Times that then they, like, translated into a show. So at least that had some substance a little bit, uh, as opposed to just, like, we're gonna make a bunch of crap that doesn't resonate or, like, doesn't have anything to do with real life. <laughs> but yeah, I, I barely remember how this movie uh, even ended. It's just, like, all the different pairs got together and realized they were better off. Except, yeah, Jessica Alba is with the dog. Um, Emma Roberts, I guess, is just going off to college without having sex with that guy. But I think other people, just everyone ends up together. Yeah, oh, Queen Latifah doesn't get anyone to end up with. She gets Queen her Latifah phone and sex Kathy line. Bates. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, Queen, Queen Latifah-Kathy Bates combo would be cool. Let's see. Oh, and then, yeah, Bradley Cooper comes in and sits down with the McSteamy look-alike. Right, the football player guy. <laughs> but again, it's not like the movie actually cares that they're gay. It's just like, uh, how can we, like, pretend this is politically relevant? Yeah, it did feel kind of just like using the gay storyline for drama or something. Because I don't know if either of those people are gay playing those no. actors. No, so, Bradley Cooper yeah. definitely or... isn't. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you, want, if you want to make the dramatic movie where Bradley Cooper plays a gay man, great, make that movie. <laughs> don't... <laughs> force this bullshit oh my god how about yeah bradley cooper where is shirtless most of the movie and oils himself up and and aren't they both rich aren't they both rich somehow because at the end they're like at the airport and bradley cooper tells julie roberts like i have this like ride waiting for me but you can take it this like fancy uh limo or lincoln or something yeah they're loaded like bradley cooper's in a really nice suit i don't give a fuck about that yeah, and then the football player guy makes millions of dollars. Yeah, that's true. Then Julia Roberts gets to go home, uh, and I think, uh, wasn't it, like, the grandparents of Shirley MacLaine and the other guy, Edgar? Oh, yeah, that's that's the grandparents of the kid, and then Julia Roberts is the mom. But the boy is the boy the same boy from Jennifer Garner's class? 
Yes. God, so convoluted. The, there's only the one boy. <laughs> there's only like five people who exist in all of LA and they're all related somehow. <laughs> oh my god. Um, oh, but I, you know, the character I did feel maybe worse for, I mean, or a character I felt bad for was Annie Hathaway's character because she said, yeah, she was a poetry major, she had no health insurance, and she had 100k in student loans, and she was working two jobs. So I did feel bad for her. And Topher Grace is like really a jerk to her, like he's like way over the line. Yeah. And she has to date Topher Grace. Ugh, the final straw. Yeah, I know. So again, it's kind of embarrassing for her that she, like, takes him back at the end when she absolutely shouldn't after all that. Mm-hmm. Like he just says, sorry, in the stupid Topher Grace way. My God. Yeah, I guess he does say it was all on me. It was all me. It wasn't you. So at least he... At least he didn't keep blaming her, but it was not the best. <laughs> like, some of these plot lines might work individually, like, if you extended them and made them more dramatic and not just, like, insipid, but all jammed together, it doesn't really work at all. Yeah, oh my gosh. I just had a random memory of, like, one example of this weird juxtaposition is, like, the wife of Patrick Dempsey's name, the character, is Pamela, and then also Queen Latifah's character is named Pamela. And I was like, you can't have a movie with two Pamelas. They just ran out of names. <laughs> it would have been funny if at the end, uh, Jennifer Gardner does this whole dramatic thing and the wife's like, yeah, I knew. Like we had an arrangement or whatever. <laughs> now that's a twist. You're the fool, Jennifer yeah. Gardner, not me. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I also have like Ashton Kutcher on the side. It's another tie-in. Martin Scorsese is like, Marvel films are not cinema. Now give me a ticket to Valentine's Day, please. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. They, you thought that Avengers Endgame was the greatest crossover? How about <laughs> Valentine's Day 2010? <laughs> you know what? If they did make a romantic comedy crossover movie, that might be actually kind of cool. Like uh, if they did Harry Met Sally and Sleep Us in Seattle and like somehow all these characters reappear. Oh my god. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah, oh my god. And then, the yeah, everyone starts blurring together and the lines between films disappear and it becomes a metafilm. That's just your life now. <laughs> That's just your life. <laughs> no, no, your life is sleepless in Seattle. So I was worried when you first, like, uh, mentioned wanting to do this movie, I was worried that we wouldn't have enough to talk about because I just thought it'd be, like, bad. But it's bad in so many specific ways. It actually was full of stuff to talk about, shockingly. Yeah, we still didn't even, like, list every actor. Kristen Shaw was in this for one scene. Yeah, I think it's probably before she broke through. Oh, yeah. And then the guy married to Shirley MacLaine was Hector Elizondo, who I know I've seen in a bunch of stuff. I think he's probably, like, a character actor of all these people. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely recognize him, too. I just don't know from what. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they just got, like, really famous actors for... Oh, it says he was in Pretty Women, Runaway Bride, The Princess Diaries. So he's been in, like, a lot of romantic comedies. Hmm. He's been in all the Julia Roberts films. Maybe. <laughs> Weirdly enough. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much everything I had to say about that movie, I think. But any closing thoughts or any other observations? Oh, I did just want to say I had taken a note of a couple of other bits of homophobia in the movie. Um, which were, someone said, like, I metaphorically stand behind you to the McSteamy look like. It was Jamie Foxx, uh, doing the broadcast where they're, like, revealing that he's gay. Right, and so he's kind of trying to do the joke of, like, separating himself from, or he's making a gay joke. I don't want to fuck this guy, but. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me just reiterate. And then also, um, Ashton Kutcher apparently... Uh, said something to Jennifer Garner about like, oh, that guy you dated was gay. I thought he was gay because he named he named his cat Babs, and that me that sounds gay to him. I was like, <laughs> what the hell? I you know how I know you're gay because you macrameed your own pair of shorts or whatever. It's that joke basically. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, anyways, a couple of yeah. So, so I wish they at least they could um, improve the humor a bit, not do it at people's expense. But, like, people should be pissed off about movies like this because watching it, there's no way... I mean, maybe they'll be briefly entertained, but then thinking about it, surely they'll be like, oh, wait, that movie was just, like, a cash grab. And then, like, why should we feel good about just, like, giving these already rich people more money? Like, oh, uh, I may not have seen Valentine's Day, but I sure saw the summer home that bombed me or whatever. Oh my god, that's so true. Why should we, like, enable them, basically? That's true. It's like, um... 
It's like I lost a little piece of my soul watching <laughs> this movie. We're all now dumber for having listened to your response or something. Oh my god, yes. And obviously this probably came out on Valentine's Day, so it's like, oh, go see Valentine's Day on Valentine's Day, and every romantic comedy loving woman has to be like, or whoever, any romantic comedy loving mm-hmm. person, force my, oh my husband or boyfriend or whoever to go see it. Right, I mean, it must have been the the selling point, but I just don't understand, like, this does not have the staying power of other rom-coms. Like, people love- Love Actually. Julia Roberts- Yeah, they love Love Actually, but, like, they love the Julia Roberts rom-coms because, like, focus is on a character and they can get all, like, emotional about this one character storyline, whereas this is, like, I feel nothing for any of these people. Right, I mean, I don't personally like most rom-coms, but, yeah, I would probably prefer to see any of those movies you just mentioned over this. Yeah. yeah, and then Valentine's Day itself is already, like, a bullshit holiday just designed to, like, make people feel bad or, like, anxiety. <laughs> that was the ultimate most unbelievable thing is I was like, who actually still bothers to celebrate Valentine's Day? Like, all these people in this movie, are, their life is revolving around it being Valentine's Day. I'm like, okay, all everyone else is just work going to work that day. That's all we're doing. And where's the person celebrating Lupercalia and, like, sacrificing <laughs> a goat or whatever <laughs> to make odds? Oh my god. They're like, we're making that one next, and then followed by St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> uh, the more forced this movie is, like, the more shit they add onto it, like, the hollower it feels. Like, the more, like, oh, we gotta gussy this up somehow by having this connection, and this connection, and this actor, and this funny, quote-unquote, funny moments. Gag in the background. So many gags, yeah. Yeah, this, like, sitcom bit. And it's like, the more you load it up with that, <laughs> instead of just telling, like, a human story about love, or connection, or anything, or friendship, even... Uh, you just end up with, like, a really hollow center that all this... It's like a fucking spectacle or something. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what this movie taught us, is, um, how to write a better story. (laughs) Don't do this. (laughs) I mean, I think we've watched other movies that would probably be, like, worse, technically, than this movie, but this movie, Mm -hmm. you can't really get anything out of. Like, there's nothing to get. It's just all surface, and all the surface is bad. Yeah, like, I felt, I felt weird, or not weird, I felt, like, empty after watching it, I guess. Just, like, I was just, like, laughing at, like, the primit, the sitcom bits, the setups. Yeah, it's just, like, cynical, and if you're gonna make a sitcom, then make a sitcom, but don't call it a movie, and then, like, charge people 7 to $12 to go see it <laughs> in 3D. <laughs> It'll warm the cockles of your heart. <laughs> yeah, anyway, Hollywood, stop making movies like this, and... Just, like, add some element of interest, some drama, something that people, presumably, like, their very target audience, even, would, like, latch on to. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't the whole point of those romance books or whatever, like, the Harlequin romances, that, like, you have this, like, long suspense, long suspense, long suspense, and then finally they have sex or whatever? I'm thinking of, like, yeah. uh, Bridgerton or whatever that show is that people love. Right, yeah, this, the payoffs in this weren't, like... The buildup was bad. Anything romantic, yeah. And the payoff was bad. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Unless you want to film Jamie Foxx and Jessica Biel having sex, in, in which case, do that. <laughs> and, yeah, and pitch that Queen Latifah, Kathy Bates movie. And where was Justin Timberlake in all this? Oh, no. He should have been the center. No. Oh, God. So, anyway, people need to stop pretending that Love Actually is a good movie so that they stop making movies like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's the... Re- I mean, I will say I think Love Actually was probably better written and had, like, more human characters as opposed to, like, cartoon characters, but yes, still yeah. really bad. And, and it's like, imagine if you are, like, a cynical person or, like, a dour person or you're not, like, a poppy, like, optimistic person. How are these movies going to make you feel any better? Like, they're just going to make you feel worse about your overall station in life, you know? Oh my gosh, you're like, actually, I watched Valentine's Day and went into a deeper depression because <laughs> yeah um how does everyone like ha- how is everyone dating everyone in this movie <laughs> i don't know it reminds me of like going to las vegas or whatever and just having like a fun but ultimately empty time just like soulless mm-hmm. sort of i don't have anything else to say other than let's get naked <laughs> <laughs> but love actually i said i will also say at least had like these classically trained actors like the top actors of uh Britain, essentially. But this, I don't think any of these would be, like, the best actors, except maybe... I mean, some of these actors have been separately good, but I don't know. It's not equivalent. It is a, it is a weird combo. It, it's only there to help you play Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon, these kind of movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly, just fuck it up completely. 
It's like, well, everybody was in this movie, and so on. It's a hub, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I hope no one went to see New Year's Eve after this, and then... Who's in New Year's Eve? It's like Halle Berry, Jessica Biel, John Bon Jovi, Ludacris, Robert De Niro, what? for some fucking reason, Zac Efron, Catherine Heigl, Seth Meyers, Sarah Jessica Wow, Parker. I almost would watch this just to see these people <laughs> all together. Pablo blows his brains out on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, all right well anyway don't see this movie please whoever's out there listening on that note do not see this movie and if and if you do like this movie please write in and tell us why because <laughs> we don't because we don't get it but maybe someone else can explain it I don't... <laughs> give us your perspective if you are the intended audience we want to know we want to hear from you write <laughs> 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 into <laughs> Oh we don't God. actually have an email. Scruff McGruff, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Good times. Happy Valentine's Day to all. Happy Valentine's Day. It was good chatting with you. All right. Till next time. This has been an amazing chat. <laughs>